0: Biggest surprise I have had in
1: three years. Darling bit me. Ain't nobody got time for that. Alright, here we go. Good morning and thank you for worshiping at West this morning. My name is Andrea Smith. I have the privilege of being the pastor here. And if you're worshiping with us for the first time or you're new to West, we extend a very special welcome to you. We have a tent outside with a free gift for you this morning. So we invite you to, to go outside and visit that tent. I promise we will not bombard you with propaganda, but we do like to know that you are here. Uh, this morning starts the season of Lent. Uh, it actually started on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. It's the period of 40 days before Easter, where we spend some time looking inward and looking at the things that get in the way of us being at one with God. Typically and traditionally, you can give something up during the season of Lent or take something on that will will better yourself. And so I encourage you, it isn't too late to start that. One of the things that we're going to do as a faith community is we are going to learn some scripture. So beginning today... You have the opportunity if you want to text, if uh, you want to get out, we'll leave this up for a couple of minutes on the screen. But if you text this number, 704 343. 8955, five, and we'll leave it up for a couple of minutes. But if you'll text that number, you'll get one Bible verse a week. And we're also going to share with you an app that helps you memorize scriptures. But we believe that scripture contains powerful promises that we can hold on to in our darkest of times. And so, one of the ways that we can hold on to those promises is if we actually know what they are. So, for the next six weeks, we as a faith community are going to focus on memorizing some scriptures. Sure. Before we get started this morning, as I was getting ready uh, this morning at the high school uh, and I shut the door to one of the teacher's lounge uh, bathrooms, I noticed on the back a lockdown procedure and you know that was a very leveling and I said a quick prayer for the teachers and the students and the parents of of the people here uh, because you know in the light of the events that have happened this week in our country we are mindful of so many people that are hurting in our in our midst so I just wanted to start this morning with a moment of silence and silent prayer and then I'll close us in a prayer for the the victims of the Florida shooting let us pray Gracious God, we can only imagine the pain that so many are feeling this morning. We can only imagine the fear that so many others feel. We know that hurting people hurt people. And so this morning, we just ask that in your mighty way, the way that you can bestow peace and hope in hearts and souls, that you remind all those that are hurting that you're God. And that your love knows no end and your grace and forgiveness flows like uh, rivers. We offer ourselves to you in Christ's name. Amen. It's ironic a little that the lesson this morning that we're going to talk about this series is called Going Viral. In today's age with technology and all those things, things go viral just like that. Some of the videos that you saw up on the screen just a minute ago are things that have gone viral in the past several years. I mean, you make a video and, and even something as, as silly as the cinnamon challenge where you put a bunch of cinnamon in your mouth and you try to swallow and you can't and you spit it out and it goes everywhere. I mean that went viral. Things that are great go viral, and then things that are not so great, like swallowing Tide pods. You know that's something that has gone viral. That is that is not uh, advantageous or beneficial to anyone. It's very dangerous. So we thought that for the next six weeks we would look at some things that have gone viral uh, from Christ, from Jesus. He came a couple of thousand years ago. He lived uh, just as a as a boy who was learning and growing, and then when he hit. 30 he began his public ministry and in three years he did so many things that went viral they still impact our world today. So we think that there are some lessons that we can take away from that. So today's lesson is reconciliation. Now here at West one of our core values is to have fun and be real and relevant. So uh, we decided we'd pick different viral videos to show you. So the first one that we want to show you is about uh, a little boy uh, and his brother named Charlie. Take a look. <laughs> ah,
0: Charlie. Charlie bit me. Ah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Oh. Ow. Ow, Ow, Charlie! Ow! (laughs) Charlie! That really hurt! (laughs) No, Charlie bit me. And that really hurt, Charlie, and it's still
1: hurting. There's so many things we can learn from that video. The first is don't stick your finger in a baby's mouth because, or anybody's mouth really, they'll bite you. And you know, don't do it again if it hurts. But there are some things that actually we can take away from that video that teach us about reconciliation. You know, forgiveness is one of the messages that Jesus taught over and over and over again. Each of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have a different story of that forgiveness. And and how that is offered, and you know, even though it it they totally did not mean to say these lessons. I mean, the fact that he is sitting there with his little brother, and his brother bites him, and then he he names it. You know, now I'm sure no one meant to take spiritual principles away from that video, but you know, there's something healthy in that. Something that's healthy that we can learn today and we can take away today about the message of reconciliation and forgiveness. Guess what? When someone hurts us, if we want to seek reconciliation and we want to experience forgiveness, whether it's of them or from them, you have to name it. You have to claim it. You have to claim it to them. And so I want you to take a look at this scripture passage from Matthew. Jesus was telling them how to experience this reconciliation and forgiveness. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, then you've made a friend. If he won't listen... Then take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. Now, if he still won't listen, then go tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. There are nine words that I want us to take away from today. I am sorry, I forgive you, and I forgive myself. I am sorry, I forgive you, and I forgive myself. How many times in our lives have we been wronged by someone else? And how many times in our lives have we wronged other people? I mean, none of us are perfect, right? We mess up. We are so human. I am so human. And and every day I think we screw up something. But we have these tools that are at our, at, our, at our hands, I don't know the phrase to say, that are there for us to use. We have these tools that are there for us to use. Like saying, I am sorry and I forgive you and then I forgive myself. That can, that can bring restitution to relationships and can bring forgiveness and can bring peace. But the first thing we have to do is we have to speak what it is that is bothering us. We have to own the pain that either we have created or someone else has created in our lives. We have to name it. We have to claim it. If we keep ignoring it, it's going to end up being like rotten tomatoes. I watched a sermon that Adam Hamilton preached. He's the pastor of the Church of Resurrection in Kansas. And he, he wrote a book about forgiveness. It's a powerful book. And for his opening illustration, he brought out this huge Bag of tomatoes and he told this story about a college professor that was teaching and and brought in all these boxes of tomatoes and he had little cherry tomatoes and he had some roma tomatoes and then he had some larger tomatoes and the professor gave everyone in the class a sharpie and told them i want you to think of all the things that someone has done wrong to you Think of all the things that someone's done wrong to you, and then I want you to go up, and for everything that somebody's done wrong to you, I want you to get a tomato. Now, if it's a little infraction, get a little cherry tomato. But if it's something big that someone's done to you, I want you to get a big, beefy tomato, and then I want you to write on each tomato with a Sharpie what someone's done to you. And so Adam Hamilton's telling the story, and then he brings out this bag of tomatoes that he had apparently been carrying around for a while. And he told the rest of the story that this professor told all the students, okay, you have to carry this bag of tomatoes with you everywhere you go for the whole semester, Now, you and I can imagine what happened to those tomatoes as some time went on. Some of the students didn't listen. They discarded of their tomatoes. And so they ended up, uh, they got a bad grade. He told them, I'm going to grade you down if you throw away your tomatoes. Other students continued to carry the tomatoes and then started complaining. They're like, you know, professor, they're they're rotting. They're nasty. They smell. My backpack has got tomato juice on the bottom and it reeks. It's getting all over everything. And Adam Hamilton held that bag of tomatoes up to the folks at Church of Resurrection and said, this is what anger and hurt does in our lives. And the bag just, I mean, it looked nasty. But what a powerful message because you see, those tomatoes are like the pain that we carry around in our lives when other people hurt us and we don't seek forgiveness either on our end or theirs. And when we're not willing to say that I'm sorry, and then also sometimes when we're unwilling to forgive ourselves, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do of all. So I want you to keep that image in, in your mind this morning, as we talk about this for just a few minutes. Those rotten tomatoes. Do you have some ick in your soul towards somebody else that you need to let go of this morning or? Have you hurt someone else and and you know you did and you need to apologize to them? Or maybe it's in the past and, and you just can't forgive yourself because you know you did something wrong and you just can't seem to let it go. Where are you with all that? The worship team wanted to make this a little funny this morning because this is a pretty heavy, heavy topic and it's something that we all wrestle with. So they made a music video for your enjoyment and it is to a song that I think we've probably all said these words at some point in our journey. We've all said these words. Take a look at this music video from the worship team.
0: Over my mind But when the morning comes I'm right back where I started again Trying to forget you Just to up a smile that hides a tear, but as the sun
1: to sing that song in worship today. And they're like, have you lost your mind? I mean, that would be very, very hard to cover. So we, but we wanted to use that song to make a point. So now I want you to sing with me this morning for just a second, because I really want us to ingrain this in our minds. And I know some of you out there really do sing and sing well, and I can see you. So I really want you to actually participate with me in this so I don't feel like an absolute idiot up here by myself. But we're gonna sing that one chorus. Baby come back, you can blame it all on me I was wrong and I just can't live without you Okay, we're going to sing that together please Alright, ready? Baby come back, you can blame it all on me I was wrong, and I just can't live without you. All right, one more time with some gusto. Okay, ready? Because these are words that we need to say in our lives. And it's so hard. It's so hard to do that, to say, I was wrong. And actually, guess what? I'm vulnerable right now, and I can't live without you. So come back. So again, okay, with a little more gusto. Ready? Baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. I was wrong, and I just can't live without you. All right, very good. Give yourselves a hand. You know, that's the message that Jesus was teaching over and I'm, I'm serious over and over and over again there's so many examples like one of his key disciples Peter the one that he said you know I want you to go build my kingdom on this rock on this foundation Peter asked him he's like okay Jesus how many times do we have to forgive each other and I think Peter was probably getting pretty annoyed because you know people were doing stupid things and and he had just had enough and and he's like so do we need to forgive you know seven times seven times seven and Jesus is like no 70 times seven and and the point was not to do some multiplication. The point was limitless. You forgive each other. You bring forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation to relationships over and over again. When Jesus taught the people to pray, that was a part of the Lord's prayer. Father, forgive them. Or no, that's, that's what he said from the cross. Sorry. Uh, the Lord's prayer Clearly, I need to say it more because it has totally slipped my mind, so sorry about that. Um, I would say we'd all say it together, but then that'd make you as equally uncomfortable as it's making me right now. But anyway, Father, forgive us of our trespasses as you have forgiven those as we trespass against others. That's what it says. you know. So, Father, forgive us as we have forgiven others. It's, it's got some conditional responses on it. Not only are we asking forgiveness from God, but God calls us to ask forgiveness of others. So there are a couple of ways that we can do that. We're all familiar with apologies. So right now, we're gonna look at two different ways to apologize to people. And we're gonna look at some bad apologies, and then we're gonna look at some good apologies, and then we're gonna end with a scripture verse, and that's gonna be the one that we're gonna focus on memorizing this week. But first, we're gonna look at some bad ways of apologizing. Take a look. I'm sorry you felt hurt by what I did. Now take a look at that for just a second. What's wrong with that? You know, you're saying I'm sorry. But the problem comes when it's I'm sorry you felt hurt. That's not a true apology. When you're telling somebody else, you know, I'm sorry that this is on you. Take a look at the next one. I'm sorry, you're so sensitive. I've told this story uh, several years ago about a time, so focus on this one for just a second and hear this illustration. Several years ago, or many, many years ago, actually, I was at Williamson's Chapel. We were getting ready for the 11 o'clock worship service. We had three worship services on Sunday morning, and it was it was very like high pace, high-impact emotions, and, and everything's just all rolled into one on a Sunday morning, and, and my emotions are high anyway, far too often, and so I'm getting ready for that service, you had to put on your preacher robe, and that looks like a curtain on a good day all right? It is this large black thing, and it just hangs sort of like a curtain or a smock. So regardless of where I am in my weight journey, it is never flattering to me. I just want to go on and lay that out. And whatever you think about my weight, i also ask you to just sort of keep that to yourselves after the message. I don't, I don't need that. I know that Weight Watchers and I are good friends, so, you know, let's let that be. But this, this gentleman, for whatever reason that morning, just felt like he needed to tell me what he thought I looked like. And so I'd put on the preacher robe, and it had been a good morning and, and powerful worship services. And so before the 11 o'clock service, and this is also why I don't mingle much before worship. I just sort of stay alone and stay in my zone because my head gets out of kilter, and then I forget things like the Lord's Prayer. Um, I, I was just feeling it. So I thought, I'm going to go mingle with people this morning. I'm going to go out in the, in the sanctuary and I'm going to greet people and shake their hands. And, and so I was doing that. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. You know, all that kind of stuff. And he comes up to me and he grabs my face and he does this to it. And, you know, like this. And he goes, my, my you are puffing right on up there, aren't you? (laughs) On a good day. That's not what you can say to me without me falling completely apart, okay? So I was like, Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, I had no idea what. What do you say to that? Yeah, I had two boxes of Girl Scout cookies last night at eleven o'clock. I guess it went straight to my face. I mean, there's, there's no. They don't teach you that in seminary. And so I was crushed. I mean, literally, like, I mean, weight is something that I'm sensitive about and have been ever since I was a small child and my mom died. And when she died, I ate my way through my grief. And by the time I was in fourth grade, I weighed 135 pounds and I was not very tall. So if that lets you know what I looked like a long time ago, I mean, it has improved a little, but not a whole lot. And so I'm uber sensitive about that. I went back in the sacristy. It's this place where you got the communion elements ready. And, and I opened the door that had the mirror. And I was like trying to suck in my cheeks. And you know do the profile to see how bad it had gotten. I mean you know I watched the scales like a hog. But I didn't know that it had gotten that bad. And again I have on this curtain thing. So nothing was going to work out really well for me that day. And, and the senior pastor came in. And, and by this time I'm. I really am becoming neurotic in the mirror. And he's like, what in the world are you doing? And what is wrong with you? And I said, well, so-and-so just, you know, told me I was puffing right on up there. And it really hurt my feelings. And he said, well, you know, you've just got to get over it. And we got to go worship. And my role in worship that day was to lead the prayers of the people. That was like this time that you would pray for all the concerns in the church and have silent prayer and then say the Lord's Prayer, which clearly, again, I need to do more of. And uh, I got up there and I mean, my, my stomach just really hurt because I was really sad because it had hurt my feelings. And I know my feelings, I wear them on my shoulders, blah, 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 but that one hurt. And then, and then it got better. Like after worship, you stand outside just like we do here and we greet people. And I had this plan of running when I saw him, you know, coming. Like I could just scoot around the side of the chapel and then he wouldn't, you know, not see me. And and the senior pastor wouldn't let me do that. And so I stood there and as the man came through the line, he said, you know, I am sorry you're so sensitive. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, yeah. Now, months later, I think after his wife talked to him, uh, he called me for a pastoral visit, and I went over, and for years later, we joked about it. Every time I'd see him, I'd, you know, do like this, and we'd hug, and and we moved past it, but not until we talked about it. I mean, I, you know, tried to get over it inside, and I certainly never, you know, went around and, and bashed him, but, I mean, it hurt, and his Apology, you know, I'm sorry you, you were so sensitive. That wasn't really an apology. That showed no ownership. True apologies show ownership that we acknowledge that maybe we did something wrong. The next bad apology, I'm sorry you felt like I did something wrong. Again, that's, that's not taking any ownership in it. And then the last one. I'm sorry you think I did something to hurt you. One of the things we have to take away from this is that if someone else is hurt, we have to own that, you know, maybe we did something to hurt them, whether it was, you know, unintentional or not. But part of that is, if we are the ones that are hurting, we have to say something to the person that has hurt us. Else there's never an opportunity for reconciliation. That's what Jesus said that lesson. And, and again, he used it a couple of times. If someone has hurt you, you have to go to them. There's another example in Matthew that he uses. He says, if you come to worship God and you come and you're ready to worship, then you have to first acknowledge if someone has hurt you and you have not sought you know, forgiveness from them or of them, you have to go back to them and seek that reconciliation before you can even begin to worship God. Now, that lesson when Jesus was teaching his followers that, it had some poignant truths because, you see, they were in Jerusalem. And at that point in time, when they worshiped, they worshiped in the temple. So someone would have come into the temple and laid their sacrifices to God at the altar. And then, you know, Jesus is saying, look, I don't care if you bring your stuff all the way here. If you're not right in your heart, you can't worship me yet. You have to be right in your heart first. And in order to be right in your heart, you have to go to that person and you have to seek forgiveness. So there's those words again, I'm sorry. And then you have to be willing to offer forgiveness. I forgive you, even when we're hurt. So what about abusive relationships? There are times that You know, we are in a relationship and it just isn't healthy. Forgiveness does not mean that you let someone hurt you over and over again. God would never, ever want that. That's where I think Scripture can get really dangerous as well. My stepmom, uh, she was in an abusive relationship, and this was, you know, forty, fifty years ago. When she was uh, very, very devout in her faith and went to a a very uh, spiritual church, and they took Scriptures very literally. And there's some verses in Matthew about divorce and saying how divorce is is not of God, and if you divorce, that's a sin, and all that kind of stuff. And and this this man that she was married to i mean he beat her he physically abused her he emotionally abused her he mentally abused her and finally after years and years and years of living through that she she summoned all her inner courage and she filed for divorce and made him leave yet she was the one who suffered Because the community looked down or some in the community looked down on her because she was breaking, you know, Jesus's commandments. I'll never forget it was one evening and I had gone to training union. That's what you do when you're a Southern Baptist girl or young girl or boy. You go to this thing on Sunday nights and and they train you in the ways of faith. And they used this passage about divorce that evening and they talked about if you're divorced, you're not going to go to heaven, you know, and you have to, you know, bring reconciliation to that relationship. And, and they really believed what they read. I don't think God calls us to be in relationships where we are hurt by other people over and over again. I do think we have to find a way and a place in our soul to, to find some peace And to forgive them in the only way that we can. And sometimes that means we call on God and we ask God to help us forgive them in God's love if we don't have some of our own. And eventually, if we'll keep praying that prayer, God, you help me forgive. We'll find that it works. There are some positive aspects of apologies too. And I want us to look at those quickly this morning. A good apology has four steps. The first thing is we have to be aware of how we have actually wronged the other person. We have to own it. The second thing, we have to have an earnest feeling of regret or remorse. We can't be fake about it. We have to really believe and own that we are sorry and and we wish that we had not done that. We have to have a confession Accepting responsibility for the action. And lastly, we have to have a commitment to change and make amends. That's what a good apology looks like. And now I want you to take a look at the scripture verse that we're going to memorize this week. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against each other, take it to them and forgive them. Hear them, forgive them. Just as God has forgiven you. There is a story about a lady Uh, This is like a 30, 40-year-old story. When she was a junior in high school, her name is Shannon Etheridge. She went on to be a Christian author and public speaker, and she's written many books and, and truly is a leader in faith. But when she was a junior in high school, she was on her way to school one morning. She was driving, and she realized in the car that she had forgotten to put her lipstick on. And so she adjusted the rear view mirror so that she could see to put her lipstick on. And as she was putting the lipstick on, she heard a very loud thud. And then she felt the car jerk. And she writes that in her mind, she was hoping, sadly, but hoping that it was just an animal that she had hit. She slammed on brakes. She looked in a rear view mirror and she saw that there was a lady and her bicycle lying in the road. She immediately ran to a house that was beside the road and called for 911. That was long before the days of cell phones. And then she went to wait with the lady. The lady was not breathing, the lady had been killed. She was devastated. She went home and then later that night, a stranger called. Her parents put her on the phone with him and he explained that he was a friend of Gary's. Gary was the husband of the woman that had been killed. Gary wanted to meet with her the next day before the funeral. Now she writes that She really, really wanted to say no. She was terrified. She had just killed his wife. Unintentionally, but still, she had changed his world forever and taken the life of an innocent woman because of a dumb decision that she made. By putting on lipstick. Or in today's world, it would be texting and driving. But she said that something in her would not let her tell that man no. And so the next day, she summoned up all her courage. She felt like it was the the least she could do was to honor this man's request. She went to his home. Now, can you imagine being her, even being her parents, and and just wondering what's going to come of this? So she goes to the home and someone opens the door and then takes her to Gary. Now, when he sees her, he runs to her and he takes his arms and he wraps them around her and she starts to sob. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she writes that as she stood there in his arms saying how sorry she was, she felt his tears in her hair. He let go of the embrace and he said, I forgive you. He said Marjorie was such a godly woman and she lived every single day as if it were her last. So she would want me to forgive you. So here's my message to you. I want you to forgive yourself because I forgive you. And don't you let this ruin your life. You live each day and you be the person that God has called you to be. The DA wanted to press charges for involuntary manslaughter. Gary went and met with the DA and and begged them, please do not press charges against this little girl. She made a mistake and she can take this mistake and she can use it for good. Lawyers approached him and said, look, you know, you can sue her mom and her dad for so much more than the insurance would pay you. Sue them. And he said, no, money is not what matters here right now. She went on to take that and make something of her life and uses her story to preach forgiveness and reconciliation and hope. We have a God that loves us so much that his son hung on a cross and in doing so said, Father, forgive them. They didn't even have to ask. He just said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. So many times in our world today, I do believe people don't know the pain that they're causing. Hurting people hurt people. We see that over and over again. So it's in a big scale and it's in a small scale. Who's hurt you? What rotten tomatoes are you carrying around in your bag? How can you let them go? I am sorry. I forgive you. And I'm going to forgive myself. Because we are children of a God of forgiveness and a God of hope. Let us pray. Gracious God, you know the stuff that we carry around. You know the ick. You know the times that we hurt people and we don't mean to. And then you also know the times that we've been hurt. God, help us find it in ourselves to have the courage to ask for forgiveness where we need to. And and help us see the ways that we've brought harm to other people. And then God, also help us find it in ourselves to offer forgiveness when we've been wronged. And if we're carrying rotten tomatoes around with us because we know that we have disappointed you... Let us forgive ourselves. That's the viral message of reconciliation and hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So today, if you're looking for a way to connect with Wes, we have a new small group that is starting in the band room. We also are starting this thing called Confirmation, where I'm gonna be meeting with seventh grade and up, and we're gonna be exploring faith and scripture. That's gonna be in the conference room, if you have a young person that would like to attend that. And now may you go and may you be a people of saying, I may we go and be a people of saying, I am sorry, I forgive you, And I forgive myself. May we go in that peace and that hope of a God of redemption. Amen.